Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. It is Lindsay Simsick and Krista Williams, your podcast, BFFs. We're so glad you're here. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. It's your big sisters in the podcast space. And I'm so glad you're here, especially for this episode today with Tinks. It's going to be such a good one. We just did one with Tinks earlier this week. So this is a double episode week with her and it is so much fun. We had such a great time. And we're going to be digging into topics like body and friendship and all of the things that we like to talk about here at Almost 30. I'm curious, after sitting down with her, like what surprised you most about meeting her for the first time and just getting to know someone that you know from like an online space? You know, what's interesting is that I realized with some of the people that we've recently interviewed that have been big online presence people that I actually don't, and I I don't want to sound like a pretentious asshole. I don't consume their content Mm -hmm. and it helps me so much in interviews. Like when we did Melissa Wood Health, who obviously I'm a huge fan, she's amazing, but it's not like I'm regularly a consumer of her content. Right. And even with Tinks too, like I haven't really tapped into their content in a way that would impact the interview because sometimes the people that I really love and I really like respect, like Miriam Hasna, when we had her on the show, I felt like a weirdo because I'm like, I literally love your content. I love what you share. I feel so aligned to it. And so it's actually so helpful because I was able to approach her like a normal person and not like someone that was like, oh my God, I I pedestalize you in this certain way. Because I've been really working with all the people in my life that I put on a pedestal and how much I give my power away in that way. So a roundabout answer of saying what surprised me was that It was so easy to drop in with her because I felt so comfortable. She felt so comfortable. And there was so much overlap in the way that we see a lot of different things. Like in her book, The Shift, that I got to read the night before, I was able to just really tap into a lot of her perspectives. And so I felt really comfortable with her and I felt really connected. And it also reminded me that I think so much of what we do, we meet a lot of amazing people. Like Definitely people in our world and space can be a little funky town when we're like wellness, spirituality, entertainment adjacent, but I actually haven't met someone that I haven't liked in a really, really long time. So I was just like, wow, another person that I really enjoy. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to be around people that are like actually really cool. And if I think back to like any period of time where I feel like I was like meeting or attracting some funky ass people, you can attribute it so much to what's internally going on or just kind of what you are attracting. You know, I don't think it's by chance. I really think that these people are coming into our orbit because there's just specific alignments that are working, feel really good. And I mean, we've done a lot of work around that, whether consciously or unconsciously. So yes, feels good to feel good, baby. Yeah, that's like Thinking about some other interviews we've done in the past at points, some we've released, some we haven't. 
And just like, honestly, people are like, oh, how was your interview with this person? I'm like, if honestly, I was in a bad mood that day. So I don't, it wasn't as good as I wished. And how so much of our work, I've been thinking about that lately. Like our work is the best. I love what I do, but there is that moment of, there's an unforgiving nature to podcasting because you are consistently putting out conversational content. And we know if you live as a human on earth, not every conversation is fire. Like sometimes it's just like, it is what it is. We didn't like, didn't sink that day. Didn't really feel the energy that day. So yeah, I've realized that the energy that I bring to conversations really is like responsible as the foundation for how the conversation is going to go, whether I like it or not. And I've been trying a lot better to be like, okay, I'm going to create the safety of this conversation or like the energy of this conversation. And yeah, just like stepping more into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something that I don't think people realize when they're listening to podcasts. No. Kind of no. the energetics of what the hosts need to bring and then yep. hold. Yep. I think that's what yeah. Alex Cooper does well of Call Her Daddy is I think she creates safety for her guests so that they feel safe with her. So they feel safe opening up or sharing and I think she creates like a rapport with them, probably off camera that can lead into the show that makes them feel like they're close or friends when they're in the conversation, which is actually really, really important to getting information or like, I don't know, it sounds like you're a psychopath when you're like getting information. But when you are like sharing things, it's you're going to share so much more if you feel comfortable with someone. 100%. I've listened to some shows where she's had like dinner with them the night before or like, you know, just had kind of like a like a recent rapport where they can like really kind of rock on that energy that they've established, whether they've met before or not. Put that on our list. Let's have... I know, honestly. (laughs) We're always trying to scarf down our meals before the guest comes. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I honestly, I can't fit any more people into my life, to be honest. I'm like, what what am I going to do? Part two. So we're talking about friendships and body, which are Mm -hmm. two topics we really love to talk about here. I love. So I'm just going to bring up some of the conversation pieces that we discussed on the podcast that are also in her book, The Shift, which is out now. Change your perspective, not yourself. I really, really love it. And I think the conversation around friendship is so relevant because so many women in our community at any age, whatever age you are, it always feels like there's some sort of relationship up level or transition or conversation that needs to be had. It's like a very beautiful portal. If you are in a space where all of your relationships feel sustaining and stable and healthy and reciprocal and all of those things. I've had the experience because in my life, my mother wound and my mother lineage has really caused me to have more struggles with women and females in my life and like having sustainable relationships or having codependent relationships or whatever they were. So relationships have always been a huge focus for me from a friendship perspective, from a like romantic perspective, I've always felt really sustained and happy and healthy. So I really enjoy talking to other people about friendship because I think it's such a big, important topic that I think needs to be taken more seriously so that we can bring back that beautiful communal aspect of what it means to be in sisterhood and female friendships. Completely agree with that. Yeah, it's, I think a lot of people relate to that. We hear that in our community so much where that female friendship wound is so real for many different reasons. But I think that especially stepping into your 30s, I don't know what it is. There's just, there's a, for lack of a better word, shift. Truly, there is a shift when it comes to taking on 
so much of what happens in friendship and really becoming responsible. Yeah. It's huge. So in the book, she talks about it's easy to be someone's friend when everything is easy. And I think this is something that it's kind of seeing both sides of it, where a lot of people don't want to show people when it's not easy because they're afraid they'll be abandoned, they're afraid they'll be judged. So oftentimes people don't let people in when things are hard or when they're going through something or when things feel crunchy or when things feel challenging. So it's hard to show up for people if they are just presenting as everything's perfect, everything's amazing, everything's fine. And you can't really show up for people. But I felt that a lot in the space that we're in where there have been times where I've thought about, oh, if I'm successful or if we're doing well, I have felt more energy or attention or love from people. And it's funny because the world I grew up in Ohio, it was like people gave you more attention and love if you were doing bad rather than if you were succeeding. So it's been a weird switch where I'm like, oh, I have to Obviously, I don't want to see both as good or bad, but it's like realizing that in the space I'm in now with social media, and I think this probably is for a lot of people, that I've felt like people love me more if I'm more successful or if things are popping off or if I'm doing X, Y, and Z or whatever, because you essentially get more attention for it. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think specifically, I don't know if it's like related to being in cities like we're in, like New York and LA, where there is this subconscious attraction to people who either are just as and or more successful and whether it's good or bad I don't think that matters I think we're just either attracted to them because we're inspired by them or maybe we see an opportunity with them in the future or something like so I can see how that especially in the world that we're in and in the locations that we're in it's yeah it's definitely a thing I think when things aren't going well I am more like there's like more of an internalized battle. I'm not necessarily thinking about if other people perceive it or if they care, but I'm just like, I'm so in the throes of what's wrong with me to make this not go well that like I can't even lift my head to look around and be like, does anyone notice? Does anyone care? And it's neither better or worse. It's just, it's a different direction of the energy where it's kind of external or internal. But yeah, I've definitely been healed so many times, especially in our friendship in my 30s, where even when things aren't great, whether it's personally or between one another, like in the waters between us or in my other friendships, like just having so much peace and faith knowing that that is a part of how we grow and that's a natural part of relationship has been so healing and not needing to fix, not needing to make it perfect, not needing to hurry up and apologize and just get to that good feeling place. It's like letting it feel a little sticky and letting ourselves feel what we're actually feeling without managing the other person how they're feeling or how they're experiencing how you're feeling. Yeah, that's huge. That's been everything to me. It's like, I think for anyone listening, it's having those few friends that you can not be perfect with. And that means not be perfect to the world, not be perfect to them, not be perfect in the ways you think you need to be. And it doesn't need to be everybody. You know, I think there's like a idea or perception that you should be able to be who you are all the time. And yeah, that's beautiful. But I think within relationship, it's just having a few people that you can really, really just like 
not have everything be perfect with. And I really loved in her book too, she said like the shift basically she offers is I don't know what to say versus just show up. And so a lot of times when people are going through hard times, people are like, I don't really know what to say. If someone's passed, if someone has a breakup, if someone has something going on, just being there and just being like, hey, I'm thinking of you. Hey, I hope you're doing okay. You know what I mean? Those little things are so important in building trust. And I was watching this talk Brene Brown did like many years ago on trust this morning. And she was talking about how trust is built in those little micro moments of like, hey, I know that today's the anniversary of your dad's death. How are you doing? Or I know that, you know what I mean? I remember your mom said this about this. So it's kind of like those small things of trust. It's not always someone holding your deepest, darkest secret to their chest until they die. It's like the micro acts of trust building and of presence with people that actually really matters. And I really love the concept of like just showing up for people, Mm -hmm. like not having to be perfect in how you show up, not having to be focused on the outcome, just being there for the process. And I think that's a lot of what you were just talking about too. Yeah, it's super powerful. And I think we just, we don't give it enough value because we're like, oh, whatever, you know, it just feels not enough. And so knowing that like, yeah, you just showing up and whatever you can give is truly enough in a friendship that's healthy. 100%. The last thing that I really love that she shared was about friendship where we have this idea that she says, the main thing to remember is that just because someone has a fatal flaw doesn't mean they can't be a good friend. When you can accept slightly annoying traits that are simply part of someone's personality You reinforce the importance of that friendship and that the positives outweigh the negatives. On the other hand, if someone's fatal flaw has a direct impact on your happiness or self-esteem, it may be time to focus on other friendships that build you up. So really, instead of thinking and focusing on the fatal flaw of a friend, maybe they're late all the time, or maybe they are controlling, or maybe they are like clean freaks and they always are cleaning, or maybe they overwork, or maybe they numb out on TikTok, or whatever the things are, maybe every night before bed, they have chocolate and wine and talk about how tired they are. And it really annoys you because you know that they're not sleeping because of those things. So it's really thinking about and just kind of accepting the parts of our friends and the people in our lives and the aspects of them that make them human and not wanting to change or fix it. And really just being like, that's how they are. And I think men do this so well. Men will have friends that they've been friends with since they were like 12 years old. And they're like, that's just Tommy. He's always hitting on my wife. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's just Jeremy. He's always drunk. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. They just like totally accept them as like these people and for what they are. And I think thinking about that is so beautiful because then we can accept the imperfections and flaws in ourselves too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that applies to any relationship. Like that makes me think about friendship. That makes me think about romantic relationship. And I remember the shift that I had, like where I was no longer judging people so fucking hard and realizing that, oh, wow, there are aspects of myself that I am either, this is bringing up within me that I'm either want more of what they're doing. Maybe they just are so free and they say what they want whenever they want. I'm like, damn, I want to be able to do that, but it would annoy me. And just getting very honest with myself and 
yeah, it took like this weird resentment energy away from a lot of my relationships and just allowed it to expand and just be the relationship that I wanted it to be. And I was like, oh, it was me. I was bringing that. Always. Yeah. It's always. So in this podcast with Tinks, we will be talking about friendship. We're going to be talking about her body journey. We're going to be talking about some of the things that we've learned on our body journeys. She's been very vulnerable and opening up about her season of weight gain and now her season of feeling really comfortable and good in her body. And I think this is a topic that is just evergreen. It never really gets old talking about our acceptance of ourselves in a really deep way. So the book again is The Shift by Tinks. It is out now. It is Change Your Perspective, Not Yourself. We have another episode with her you can listen to right now. And any other content we have with her, we have some amazing clips on our Almost 30 podcast, TikTok and Instagram, which are super fire. We take some of the best of the best from everything that we do and share it there. So make sure you're following us on social. And then you can find more on the podcast, more on Lindsay and I. You can find our courses and programs, things like Sacredness of Being Single or the Life Edit or the Invitation, which is a breakup course, all at almost30.com. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you're subscribed so new episodes can hit your podcast inbox every single week. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. It's such a good conversation starter. And we will see you on the other side. Enjoy this one with Tinks. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Oh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, eh, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, if you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. <laughs> Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how 
passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets, whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L3 and 8. Um, it's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. I'm excited to talk about relationships. Yeah. So I just got out of a long-term relationship. Some would also call it a marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm like so excited to get into some of your tips and advice. When I was reading your book last night, I was like loving it. And I was also hating myself because I'm like, do I love this? Because I agree with so much of it. You know, I was like, wait, I literally agree with all of this and I'm loving it so much. One of the parts that I really related to, even in my separation, something that I really, really felt compelled by and powerful in was something that you said, which is, the breakup is so much, although it's harder, is so much better than the purgatory. Oh my God, yes. And I think so many people that I know that I've seen and someone, and this was someone I didn't want to be was someone that would just wait in the middle phase of like, are we going to do this? Are we not? Are we going to work on it? Are we not? It doesn't feel completely right. It feels kind of off. And being in that phase for like years, I'm like, I never want to be someone that does that. No, oh, yeah. I was in that for a long time. Like, and I talk about that. And I was like in a purgatory for a year in my 20s. And I really don't believe in regrets, but like I regret that. But again, it's like I don't regret it because it was a powerful lesson and I will never do that again. I think it's so understandable why people get in mm-hmm. purgatory. Like I want to just give grace to those people who are there right now. The most powerful trick is like I imagine myself in a year from now. And I'm like, how do I want to be recounting this story to my newer friend do I want to say and then I knew I was miserable and then I I just stayed in it for two years and then finally we broke up after that and then he cheated on and then he cheated on me yeah or whatever or do I want to be like and then I was scared shitless but I knew it wasn't right so I pulled the plug and it was a really shitty six months but I'm here and I've never been happier and I just focus on that and then I act in that way and it's like It's tough. Like, it's so tough. Relationships are comfortable and comforting and being single can be very intimidating, especially if you're in a long-term relationship. But like, the purgatory honestly scares me more than anything. 
it makes sense for like your design and who you are, especially when you were saying like it bothers you when people don't live up to their fullest potential. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. I think about that a lot. And I remember this philosopher talking about like the idea and concept of true peace. Mm -hmm. And it's so many people in their relationships, they're together, they're married, they're dating, but they actually don't have like true peace. Right. It's like low grade anxiety or low grade yes. discomfort or low grade feeling like they have to say something or they want to say something and they feel uncomfortable. And I was like, I never want that. Like I either want like the full fucking breakdown, breakup, right. pain, mm -hmm. or like the full on like love relationship thing that feels like full commitment in being together. But in that your purgatory situation, what was something that you learned? Would you say that it was to get out earlier? What would you say? When you're in the purgatory, you genuinely feel so stuck and you feel so scared. Yeah. And it's like genuinely that is so much worse than the breakup. Mm -hmm. And you can't ever know it until you've been through it. But when I was in the breakup, I was like sad, but at least it's like clear cut. At least you're just like, I'm sad because I'm not in a relationship anymore. And like, maybe I miss this person or maybe I miss having a boyfriend or whatever. But like in purgatory, you're just like fucking miserable every mm -hmm. day. And I remember I woke up every day for a year and I was like, I can't believe it. And you know what I remember specifically thinking? I remember thinking, wow, when I was single and I was so desperate to get a boyfriend in my 20s, my entire 20s, and I was so desperate, I remember thinking, this is way worse than being single. And that was like my first inkling of like, wait, maybe like there's a lot of lies about this because I remember thinking like I was really happy when I was living with my girlfriends and we were hanging out and I was going on dates and yeah, I'd have bad dates, but this is awful to be trapped in a prison where every day you wake up and you're just like, I'm so unhappy. I know you're so unhappy. We're just like going through life, mm -hmm. like just plodding through this pain, this like shitty experience mm -hmm. together. And that was like where I was first like, huh, okay. And then now I'm someone who's – it always sounds so defensive when you say I like being single. But I like being single. I like being in a relationship because I – cheesy comment coming and coming. I like being alive. Like I am grateful for both. And I think that really just knowing that you can fill up your own cup is very reassuring because then – again, you're less likely to get caught in purgatory because you're like not dreading this being single thing. Yeah, because it's you can be in tune with your body too. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm unhappy. Okay, I'm going to sit in it, see what's mine, see what's theirs, see what I want to do, find the lesson and move. You don't yeah. get like paralyzed by the fear of it, which can really, really happen in that type of state. I really love, too, the concept of heartbreak antibodies. Yeah. I think that is, like, major. So I'd love to unpack that a little bit. What are heartbreak antibodies? So I, as a deep feeler, and I think everybody, everybody, like, the first heartbreak is catastrophic. It is actually the craziest thing ever. No, it's, it's like, they should do more studies on it because I think it's akin to, like, having a, a very bad disease because you actually think you're going to die. Oh. Your very Fully. first heartbreak. I, I would want it to. No, literally. And everybody does. And then How old like, were you? Honestly, I think I was in high school. I think I remember. Yeah. I mean, I had so many like, I mean, every relationship is so dramatic with me, whatever. But I, yeah, my high school boyfriend, when we broke up, I remember just bawling and bawling and feeling so sad and listening to Samson by Regina Spector on Fuck my yeah. fucking iPod shuffle, like on repeat. I was like dashboard confession. Oh, oh yeah. Like you just get that one song and you landslide. You just over and over and over, over and, and over. But then you're like, you finally get out of it. You look up six months later and you're like, okay, I didn't die. And even though you have 
terrible, terrible breakups afterwards. Like breakups are never easy. I'm not saying that. You do have it lodged in your head that you're not going to die. And you do have – you're like, okay, I've survived 100% of my bad days. I've survived 100% of my breakups and all of my heartbreaks and whatever. And like that is reassuring. And you get a little bit stronger and stronger, hopefully, with each breakup. And again, I talk about this in the book, but no one wants to be in heartbreak. But again, I think it is a testament to the love that you felt. And you can't have one without the other. You still feel awful. You still feel sick. You still are a fucking wreck. It's still terrible. But – you're like, I'm going to survive this. And that's a great thing. You've got to build them up. I think it's so wrong the way people think about dating like, oh, the goal is to just marry the first person that you meet and never get your heart broken. No, like to get your heart broken is to live. I'm not like a masochist, but if you're not getting your heart broken a few times in your life, what are you doing? Unless you married your high school sweetheart. Yes, I know that those people are great, blah, 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 whatever. But like if you're not having a few of those, you got to get out there. I really appreciated about your advice with dating was like about the self-discovery journey of it. And that's what I really realized. Like relationships have been such a teacher for me. Yeah. I love men. Like I love being in relationship with men. Like I've had amazing relationships with men. I've had shitty relationships with men. I've been shitty. They've been shitty. But like it's just taught me so much. And it's been such a beautiful space for me to experience so much of life that yeah makes life life it makes life life and if you stop viewing dating as a binary system where it's good if you end up with the person and bad if you don't yes if you uh, switch the goal to what am i learning about myself what did i learn it's just like oh my god it's so stress relieving because then you're not like oh my god he didn't call me this is a disaster then you're like huh, on that date, I learned that I really love when we have common interests. Or, huh, on that date, I really didn't like how he didn't ask me any questions. And that's a good thing to know. It's just like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. it's very, it's really like those little things. Like, Curious. Let let those be your treats in, in yes. dating. And, and when the right person comes along, drops in, you'll know and it will be like amazing. But that's not the prize. The prize is knowing yourself. And being ready and like fully actualized and vibrating on the highest level so that the highest available partner will drop in for you. Yes. Preach. I love that. I was laughing when you were talking about men not asking questions because there's this meme online that's like, like a man and woman goes on a date. The man, the woman says literally nothing. And the man's like, that was the best date I've ever been on. No, literally. What's happening? So that's a big thing that I learned throughout all of my dating is like, I need the guy to ask questions and I need him to listen to my Same. answers. And it's like, well, that sounds stupid. Isn't that what you do on a date? No, no, every, no dear listeners. No. If you're single and you go on a lot of dating app dates, seriously take note of what they're asking you and if they're following up and if it's an actual conversation or if they're just like, where do you live? Oh, do you like Santa Monica? Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, I think I know him. And women are just, I'm going to make a generalization here. On the whole, we are more likely to be people pleasers. So we go into a date and we're like, I've prepared a Netflix comedy special that I'm going to perform now. And that was like me. So much of the time, I would go on second and third dates with guys that I didn't like because they were having a great time. I was fucking exhausted doing the lion's share of the work. Meanwhile, they don't know my last name. They don't know what I do. They literally don't know anything about me. I just facilitated an entire healing experience for them. Yeah. Like a powerful, <laughs> profound moment was had. And I'm liking it because I feel value from making their experience good. Totally. Because exactly. And that's like 
all the trap that I was in my 20s. Like they would leave literally having the best night of their life. I would have like planned their trip to France for them, giving them all these wrecks, like reorganize their phone while this shit. And I'm like, whew, okay, what? And they're like, what's your name again? Uh And I'm like, okay, perfect. Uh Know nothing about me. I don't know if that's like a generational thing with men. Obviously, I don't want to talk shit because I love them, but it's like, what's going on? Because I do feel like that's a huge common trend and thread. Yeah, that they don't ask questions. That they just have no ability to actually be in a cyclical relational conversation with women about things. Yeah. It's very like them, I do this, and then the women, I just, they're not attuning to women in a way where they're really allowing the women to be seen and heard and felt. And I don't know if it's because they're nervous or scared. I don't know. I don't have the answer, but I do think it's a very interesting observation that you've made. And it's true. It's like they just don't know how to talk to us. Yeah. I think anecdotally I feel that Gen Z might be a little bit better about that. And they're more – they're really – I don't know. It seems that way. But I feel like for a generation – I'm talking about millennials who made a lot of strides in some senses. I do feel like we're very like girl bosses over here, guys over here. And I'm like – why aren't you asking me anything? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, I'm, what? I know. Maybe it's just, like, bringing them down to, like, the human where you're, like, okay, yeah. we're going to be both yeah. in this. But it, it just, like, breaks my heart because I'm, like, it breaks my heart, but I'm so grateful where I'm at in my life because if I was dating when I was younger, I'm the perfect person for, like, an arse. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a dream. I'm, like, let me literally, like, leave my body for your entire experience. Same, same as the best. And I'm, I love you because I'm valuable to your experience yeah. fully. And now I'm like, if I feel the NARS vibes or energy, I'm like, I'm fully out. No, same. Left. That was like, I mean, it's a people pleaser stream. 100%. I'm like, you're going to give me a gold star because I made you feel good today. Unbelievable. Where do I suck? I know. I want to rehabilitate your entire life. And that's the sensitive too. Yeah. Being with them. Okay. I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app. Um, Superhuman. I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, It's incredibly supportive. So 
We actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, And we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. I also really love how you talk about with the box theory and then the reverse box theory. And I've never heard of that. I was like, oh my God, am I too old now? But what is the box theory and what is the reverse box theory? Okay. Box theory is my theory that when a guy meets a girl in a romantic setting, he puts her into one of three boxes. He wants to date her. He wants to hook up with her or wants nothing to do with her. And I'm talking about like when you go on a dating app or you meet on a blind date or something. And the point of the theory is you can't move from box to box and you should be Mm -hmm. self-aware and know what box you're in because a lot of women get they're in the hookup box especially in their 20s this highly affects 20s as an era and they're trying so hard to manipulate the guy into wanting to be exclusive with them or wanting to date them and it's like you're in the hookup box vice versa if you're in the date box and we've all had this it's a lovely experience you can act like a total fucking lunatic Mm -hmm. and the guy is still like when are we getting married and it's empowering to know where you stand another main point of theory is like you shouldn't withhold sex to try and manipulate someone into wanting to date you if you feel like sleeping with someone you should because you want to and you're ready and it doesn't have an effect it really 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 doesn't the whole point is like should not and nor should you want to try to change your behavior and manipulate a guy into wanting to date you and i get so many messages that are like tinks like i've been seeing each other casually for like two months and like I don't know I finally slept with him and then he goes to me like is is that why and I'm like no like he was always gonna dip like you were just yeah. in the hookup box it is what it is but it's like you should view it as empowering and know where you stand some people are okay with being in the hookup box but you know you know when someone wants to date you you know when someone is serious about you reverse box theory is my theory that a lot of women prematurely put men in the date box on a uh, pedestal. one hot every single time right you're like he's disgusting <laughs> but like a girl will see a guy in a dating app and construct an entire future with him mm-hmm. and be like this guy is worthy of being my husband i'm like babe you haven't met him yet <laughs> and that's bad for multiple reasons it makes you really nervous for the date yeah it makes you change your behavior to try and you know again because women are very emotionally intelligent they're like i see he has a picture with a dog i'm gonna bring up dogs even though I don't like dogs or oh I see this I think he's gonna like if I act like this or whatever and it clouds your judgment so then you go into the date thinking like it's a job interview for you because you have constructed a life with Timmy from Hinge and if you fuck it up you are gonna take it to your soul you're gonna feel that you did something wrong meanwhile you didn't even realize that Timmy from Hinge is a loser who didn't ask you any questions but you have pinned all your hopes and dreams on this guy and it's like you got to just take them back down to earth you got to just be like i'm gonna have will see mentality okay he looks great but we'll see 
How does he make me feel on the date? That's the only thing that matters. Abraham Hicks says about dating, she's like, I like you very much. Let's see how this goes. Exactly. She's like, I like you very much. Let's see how this goes. You guys get too attached. I think with women, I'm like acting like I'm not like a woman. Mm -hmm. So I want to like change the way I'm framing it. But it's like, I love how tender and like, we always see what's possible. We always look Mm -hmm. for the good in people. We always are like just in the fantasy. And oh my God, since I've been single, yo, the fantasy game is fucking wild. Yeah, it's wild. Where like your brain will go. But it kind of, you lose the plot. And it's like, I know the partners where I'm not able or come out of the blue are the ones that actually have the relationship with because I haven't created. And sort of like the examples like gross, it's like busted a load. But it's like, I haven't like, created the wedding in my head yeah. and ruined the actual experience of no, being totally. in it. It's always those sneak attack ones. Yes. Exactly. It's so, so, so true. One of the things I really loved that you talked about was, I forget what the original thought was, but the shift was into the reasons why we broke up are still there. Oh, yeah. Because it's like something about romanticizing the past or like you are stuck on an old thing. It's like I miss him or like yeah. it was so good, but I think we do that. And I definitely am someone that does it where you leave the relationship, even a friendship. You leave the job. You leave the things. And you're like, wow, that was like so amazing. They were so sweet. They were so gorgeous. And it's like, no, actually the exact reasons why you weren't and didn't work are actually still stand. Yeah. And so remembering that when we're kind of lose the plot. I keep a list. Yeah. I keep a list. Of why. when I Yeah. When I break up because I have a really bad habit of that actually. Like, yeah. For me, anytime I'm bored or I don't have like a crush or I'm not dating anyone, I'll go back to the last person and I'll look at photos of them. I'll be like, why do you break up? Maybe I'll text them. And then I go to my list and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And specific, specific examples of how I feel or of instances like on the night when we had this big fight and this is what was said and this is how it made me feel. And then I'm like, whoa, that takes you right back to it. And you're like, no, 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 that's still true. I'm just bored. Again, labeling what's going on is like the biggest – it has emancipated me from a lot of like loops because you just are like, oh, this is what I'm doing. This is what my brain is up to right now. It's not something that's like wild and crazy. My brain is just bored. And so I'm going – Yes. And that basically – the labeling is like coming out of the actual experience of you being like, oh, my God, they were so amazing and pulling up and being like, whoa, what is happening right now? Exactly. That's like mindfulness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like even on the book tour, like when I was traveling, like every night, even though it was so amazing to meet all of my girls and everything, it's like kind of lonely to be like on plane every day and whatever. And hotels? Hotels. The loneliest place on earth. The loneliest place on earth. Like Loneliest place on earth. I was looking at all the pictures of all the exes. And I don't – like my phone was dry. I was not texting anyone that time. I was like looking at all the old photos, mm-hmm. like texting my therapist. And I was like, do you think that maybe? And she was like, no, mm-hmm. no, I don't. No, I don't. I'm obsessed with that. Mm-hmm. I've done that too with like psychics. I'm like, so what do you think about this? They're like, absolutely They're not. Like, You're no. like, this is exactly you're, what yeah, I mean. You're like, I But there's you. something so lonely about planes and hotels where you're like. Oh my God, it's insane. It's crazy. I just, now I feel for the men that travel 24 seven for their jobs that yeah. are in hotels all the time. I'm like. No, yeah. I travel an absolute shit ton. Yeah. And it has been making me a little lonely. So I'm really committed now this summer to like spending big chunks of time places because mm-hmm. I, I have been lonely because it's like you're not only lonely because you don't really have time to date because you're never in the same place, but you're also like not in a good rhythm with your friends. And I'm someone who's like, I love the like every Sunday we're going to the farmer's market together or like every Friday we have a girl's dinner or whatever. And if you're not there, you're just like, 
Working hard can be really lonely. That's just the truth. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about is scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. Because you do talk about scarcity mindset a lot, which I thought was like so interesting because it applies to dating. It applies to friends. What is your perception of like scarcity mindset? So I think that basically from birth, women are fed this notion that there isn't enough to go around for us. Mm -hmm. And with work, friends, dating, everything. 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 Way. I get why that's true because up until very recently, and we're not there yet, but, you know, we're getting better. There was only a certain amount of opportunities for women. But in terms of, like, joy and friendships and relationships and even feeling good about ourselves, it is not us versus them. It is not you versus your girlfriend. It is you against yourself and against the world. And... Scarcity mindset can manifest like jealousy. It can manifest like not feeling happy when your friend has a win. I love the mantra, her success is not my failure. And this is something that we all have to unlearn because from the time we grow up, it's like, I mean, think about it. Like in the magazines, it's like who wore it best? Angelina versus Jen. That her versus her. I even think with the Haley versus Selena thing, I'm like, yeah. oh God, no one was talking about like Justin's role in anything. No, no one is talking about him at all. Yeah. It's like I always think about like how no one talked about how Brad Pitt like literally cheated on his wife. It was like Angelina versus Jen. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, why are we talking about the man who cheated on his wife? He just got off completely free of that. There was like not one negative headline about him. It was all about these two women like battling it out over him. And it's such a, harmful stereotype to feel and it's why women feel competitive with each other it's why you know you do get that not in your stomach the first time one of your friends gets engaged because you think that that has some effect on your life but it doesn't it doesn't and the most powerful thing you can do to combat scarcity mindset is to learn how to feel your friend's joy in your bones when your friend gets a new job when your friend gets engaged when your friend gets pregnant feel like it happened to you Feel literally, I'm like visualized like on a almost psyche, like weird level, be like that happened to me. And that's how happy you should feel because it's like a win for everybody. And it doesn't have any effect. Like your friend getting engaged doesn't mean you're not going to get engaged. doesn't mean you're not going to get a boyfriend. And the more you learn that, the happier you'll be, I promise. Beautiful. Well, the book is so good. It is. I was telling you before. I'm like, I read it all last night. It is so good. Like, I love you. Thank you. This was literally the best. The best. I, I mean, I want to do another one. We have to. We'll do full like business one. I was like, I want to yeah. do dating. I want to do like a full business one. Yeah. I want to do like a friendship one. I love how you have the body component. Some days I'm in the mood to talk about body shit, and some days I'm like, Amen. Some days I'm like embarrassed why to talk about it because i'm like the embarrassed part of me is i don't want people to look at my body when i'm talking about my body i get that you know i know I mean? what you mean yeah because then they're like oh is she <laughs> i actually just kind of stopped talking about it because i'm like i mean i talk about it as a concept but like i used to talk more about what i was doing and all that kind of stuff and yeah. now i'm like i don't even want to go near it i know but i talk about body image because i think it's important and i think that's something that holds a lot of women back. Yes. And I wish I didn't have good relationship with my body until I was 31. Wow. But I used to be like, yeah, I'm doing this or I'm, oh my God, I'm cleansing this or whatever. And it's like, now I'm just, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I just don't think you can. Which I don't know if that's like You don't defeatist. think you can what? Talk about it? I find it very difficult to talk about now in the current mm. climate. And I find it 
I know what you mean. I find it like you can cut it from a million different ways and I can talk about it forever. But I'm also just like whenever I talk about it, I want to be adding value. When I say something, I try to think about what's helped me Mm -hmm. and just give that off. But Mm -hmm. I used to talk way more about just like, oh, my God, I need to do this or that. Like in 2020, I would just run my mouth about whatever. Mm -hmm. And I want to be very careful about what I add to the conversation. Yeah, I feel like it is hard. What I found and noticed about people in this space, like especially that have really big platforms, I've actually noticed a lot of them, and this isn't what you're doing, but it's like are actually not fully honest. Yeah. Because they feel like they have to do a narrative of like, I intuitive eat, I love my body, it's whatever, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, I actually have been with you and you're actually, I'm not saying this about you, you're actually- yeah very restrictive and you actually literally don't eat and you don't have a great relationship with your body but you feel like if you say that people will come for you yeah and people will judge you for what you're eating or what you're not eating yeah and it's like the whole narrative right now the goal narrative is to say i intuitive eat i listen to my body i do what feels good but it's like that's not actually happening and so it's actually feels to me sometimes more harmful because then it's showing people that people have this relationship with their body that they don't a hundred percent. I feel like I can't really be on. I don't, I don't know. It's like so complex, but yes, yeah. I completely understand what you mean when you say that. And that's why I just don't talk about it because it's, I feel like it's different every day. Totally. You know, that's the other percent. Some days I'm like a fucking dime piece and some days I'm a disgusting yeah. cow. And now you can really never say that you tried. Like, like oh if, if you say like, oh yeah, I tried. I mean, people used to say that I was like, I was promoting diet culture because I ate salad. And I was just like, I don't know how, I'm still like figuring this out. And so that's why I try to keep it when I talk about it and things that help me with how I view about my body. But I won't actually talk about if I'm, you know, trying to lose weight or not trying to lose weight because I don't know if there's a good way that I can add to that conversation. Yes. And I, what I want to say, it's like when you're eating salad and people are like, you're promoting diet culture, my beef is that being in this space and seeing people behind the scenes if there's a real thin girl or like a ideal body type girl, let's just say not real thin, but ideal body type, she's eating Cheetos. People are like, yes, bitch, eat those yeah. Cheetos. And like, mm-hmm. they're actually literally not doing that. So that's my no, whole I fucking know. thing is like, actually my biggest nightmare was when Instagram was like really hot influencer girls eating pizza. Remember that? My nightmare on, yeah. on Elm Street. I'm like, this is nightmare yeah. on Elm Street because you guys are actually not doing this. And that is actually worse. Because then people are literally thinking that these people aren't making an effort. I actually would rather know about the effort that totally. people are making to totally. look the way they look. I don't want to know about destructive habits or unhealthy no. things. But for me, it's like I just would rather know the truth than be told that people are eating everything when they're not. Yeah, no, totally. And that's definitely hard for me because it's like I did gain a lot of weight last year because I was just in a really bad spot mm. emotionally. And then I wanted to just get back to where I was before. I'm not going to say like what I did because I, do, I don't want the criticism of this and that and da, 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 da. But also, do you remember in that era that there was an account called You Did Not Eat That? And they oh, my God. Repost? Yes. Okay. So I have a funny story. And I'm like so honest about all this stuff and all the weight. And like, I, like as a millennial woman, I, you are just like fucked for body image. Like you're we are just like we are really, really fucked. We grew up in a time when every tabloid was like circling cellulite. And so it's like when Gen Z is judgmental about us still caring, I'm like, we can't not care. We were raised to care. Like we went from shaming women about their bodies to now we're shaming women who care. Guess what? I still care. 
it doesn't affect my worth Preach. anymore, which is exactly where I want everyone to get, where it's like, you don't think you're a good or bad person based on your weight, but obviously everyone has a way that feels comfortable for them, right? So like literally fuck off, Gen Z. We didn't have any representation. Yeah. We grew up in a time where like being fat was a punchline. Think about friends. Oh, like literally I Monica- I literally was just gonna think like, about friends. Like, literally think about it. Her storyline like, was fat. Yeah, think about the movie Shallow How. Yep. Think about Bridget Jones being like, yep. I'm so fat, I'm 134 pounds. I was like, what? Uh-huh. But that's literally how we were raised. We can't not care. So we have to just kind of let that People go. wore fat suits. You, literally. There was fat suit movies. Well, totally. <laughs> every diet was like every diet under the sun. And I tried every diet. Every single What do you mean? mean? Like, so it's like Beyonce you did master cleanse. That was my jam. Every, every millennial diet woman pill. has drunk water with cayenne pepper and maple <laughs> syrup in it and gagged. Okay. And had my blood sugar spike to the fucking moon. No, totally. <laughs> so it's like, I think that. For me, I try to focus on like what helped me get to a place where I don't think I'm a bad person if I gain 10 pounds. I don't think I'm a good person if I lost 10 pounds. But it would be untruthful to say I don't care how I look. Totally untruthful. So you just have to get to a place where you know it's not – it doesn't mean you're unworthy of love or respect or anything. But yeah. When you put on weight, were you – like, it's just, and by the way, sorry to interrupt, but like when I did put on weight, the comments were horrific every day in and out mental breakdown. And this is, I want to be so clear. This is not why I did it, but I totally understand why celebrities snap and they're like, fine, I'm going to lose weight because you've literally called me what? fat a hundred times. And it's, it's yeah. So it's like, they were so mean. I actually just saw yesterday an ad that I had filmed last year and I like hadn't seen it in a while someone had tagged me directly and they said is this a Weight Watchers ad tanks I, like and then I looked at all the other comments they were all about like oh my gosh she's gained so much weight she looks awful wow her stylist did her dirty oh my god like whatever and I had filmed it like mid of last year and I was like I get it I get why celebrities are like fuck you I'm getting lipo like I'm tired of this and for me that wasn't it again another perk of coming into this job when I'm 30 and not 21 is I'm not going to let trolls dictate how I feel or like they definitely dictate how I feel sometimes. I want to be honest, but like I'm not going to let them dictate my literal body, but like I get it a hundred percent. There's the meanest comments that you could ever see about yourself. So yeah. I don't know. And I really appreciate that discrepancy between Gen Z and our generation because I don't think people really understand that being fat was the worst thing. They made us feel like it was the worst thing. The worst yeah. thing. It's I'm saying something that I don't wish was true. Right. I, obviously, it's been my nightmare for most of my life, my relationship with my body. I don't wish that was true, but it's like we are still unraveling and working with that and to be perceived so much. And I think because body is so triggering for people, so if they see you and you're losing weight or whatever. And it's like, oh my God, you're promoting diet culture. It's like, whoa, what's because people have so much emotion and wounding around their body yeah. that they're going to say all the things. They're going to do all of the things yeah. about it. It's just a whole vibe and it's a whole world, especially for women, that I think is just such a journey. Like I've never, we've interviewed so many people and I've never met any woman that's been fully good healed amazing with her body totally exactly and it's i think that it's would really benefit everybody to remember that and be like 
everybody is doing their best. Every woman especially is doing her best. I think very few people are actually on purpose like promoting negative body things. Like I think every woman is just trying to navigate the area the best they can. You kind of got to just, again, give people grace. Mm -hmm. The thing that I do want to work on with everyone and I do think that everyone can work on is that like you have to get to a point where it's not like the main thing in your day. And that's what makes me so sad because in my 20s, and I talk about this in the book and I talk about this all the time, it was like the main thing in my day. 100%. And that bums me out because I could have been doing literally anything else. And after all that, after trying every single fucking diet under the sun, after beating myself up after vacation, literally crying on the airplane home because I ate so much in Mexico or whatever, guess what? It just kind of all washed out the same. It's just all washed out. So wouldn't it have been better to just live my life knowing that like most women, I'm going to gain and lose the same fucking 10 pounds till I die? And instead of finding that depressing, I should find that very freeing and liberating. A lot of women, it's like the same fucking 10 pounds. You're either at the higher end, you're at the lower end. Mm -hmm. And the sooner you realize that that doesn't affect who you are as a human being or your hopes or your dreams or how you should be treated in dating or relationships, like that's the closest to freedom that maybe I'm going to get. And that's okay. And that's something to strive for. I think I had to get to a point where I was like below, like there was one point where I was really unhealthy and I was like, had my goal weight and I was like below it and I was like I'm no happier yeah and I remember talking to my guy friend and I was like he said something about he's like oh you look so great it was like Regina George vibes it was like three more pounds and he's like you've literally said that ever since I've known you totally he's like you've always said that yeah like and it's that's such a good unlock and then like this one's tricky because I don't think that we should use the validation of others to help us feel better but like my last boyfriend I met when I was the heaviest I've ever been and it literally is just about how you carry yourself and honestly no one noticed like that it's just like it's crazy it was like it was used to be such an event for me when I was like up 10 pounds or up 15 pounds and it's I was really like the heaviest I've ever been last year and I actually didn't care in the moment like I really didn't I was actually so impressed with how I talk about therapy and work I was like ah Yes, I gained 20 pounds, like whatever. Matt, my boyfriend fell madly in love with him, like on that day. He didn't care. He didn't think about that. It's not good to use the validation of others, like I said. But I think for me, the data points of like, I've had boyfriends when I'm at my heaviest. and I've had boyfriends when I'm at my thinnest doesn't really correlate to how the relationship goes. It's kind of another helpful like data point. A hundred percent. Again, it's to be honest about the human experience means that there are is a relationship you have with people where their opinion matters to you. Yeah. And it helps build your perspective of yourself. Exactly. Obviously, we don't want to be like, because a man thinks I'm hot, I'm right, hot. Right, right. And that's why relationships with men has been so healing for me because a lot for my relationship with my body. Yeah. What we see as women and how I see myself is so distorted that to have great relationships with men that have validated or supported me in my body journey has been so healing. Yeah. Because men exactly. don't see what we see. They really don't. They're like, what? And they only care about how you act. And it's funny because sometimes yes. when you're doing the psycho stuff and you're like counting the almonds and whatever, you act so anal and unfun mm-hmm. that that's one of the biggest like men droughts are. Mm-hmm. And like literally last summer, I was like l- eating everything, d- d- living my best life, drinking a ton, whatever, whatever. 
And I was so confident and so happy. And that's like what the attraction was. Yeah. A hundred percent. That is like the magnetism too. You know, to bring us even back to the beginning, it's like you starting this when you're past your early 20s and being in a place where you're in your 30s now, it's like, God, I'm so grateful to have this relationship with my body that I have because the mental space it takes up in your 20s is... It's soul crushing. Soul crushing. That's like literally, it's a means of control because we're out there thinking about, oh my God, I'm going to get this sweet green salad for lunch and I'm only going to get this and that. And we should be thinking about, ooh, I'm in the office and I should be thinking about who's making moves. What am I, where's my idea? Da, 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 da. And that's what I, that's why I do want to talk about it. And I do want to be like, you guys, we have to let this take up less mind share because it's fucking, but yeah, like if I had gotten the comments that I get in my 20s, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing this. No. Like it wouldn't, I can't imagine like if I had read those things at 26 year old, when by the way, I was like 15 pounds lighter than I am now. Yeah. Like I would have been decimated. Yeah. I would have to think that even one person would think that I didn't look good would be earth shattering. To read hundreds of people grading on my look, saying I'm disgusting animal, like all this stuff, I would have been hospitalized. I don't know. Like, 100%. So everything, believe in the universe's timing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a nasty animal. We're like, believe in the universe. I know. All is well. I know. Energy is real. <laughs> Energy is real. And it's the people who are writing those comments... It's cliche, but like they it's got, it's they the got biggest shit going facts. on. It's weird. On. It didn't hit me till recently, where I was like, if you have really good things going on in your life, you it's like everyone says it, but it hit me in a way that you know sometimes you'll hear shit and then it has to really hit. Yeah, and you're like, I actually understand this now. Totally, that people. If I'm in a good place, I would never comment on someone's totally. anything. Totally. I write about this in the book again, but like when I was 21, I sent some really mean tweets. I didn't tag the people, but like they were mean. Mm-hmm. And I also had 17 followers and I had a private account. But still, the fact that I said, I think this person is fat, like it's because I hated myself. Oh, and it's like, that's why I'm like so clear on all this because it's like literally the reason that I wrote those things about other women's bodies mm-hmm. is because I fucking hated myself, mm-hmm. fucking hated myself. So mm-hmm. it's like, I get it. I've been in every place in this cycle. So the book is out now. The cover's fire. Thank you. You guys did such a great job. It's The Shift. Thank you. And it is so, so good. I really, really loved it. Like, I felt like I could hear your voice. Like, I felt like there was so much value. Felt like it was, like, easy to understand. And, like, it actually had insights that I feel were new. Thank you. And interesting that I don't always feel when I read books like this. So you did such a great job. I'm so grateful that you came. Love you and love your stuff. Love you so much. Love you. Okay, guys. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank you so much, Tinks. We love you. Again, the book is The Shift. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. As always, just bringing you brands. We vet for you. We use and we love. You can get all discount information in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. Krista and I just adore you. We adore you. You can listen to 600 plus episodes in our library until the next one comes out and a new one comes out. We will see you very soon. We love you guys.